We take up our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, where we take for our text uh, those two verses, Romans 8, 26 and 27. And then we will conclude our study for this catechism season of the Hutterberg Catechism, turning to the truths of Lord's Day 52. So let's hear then in this way the wonder of the blessing of God's pouring out of His Spirit for us and for our salvation. Hear now the word of the Lord. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. We also turn in the back pages of the Trinity Psalter to page 896. To hear then these last three questions of the Heidelberg Catechism, 127, 127, 127, 128, and 129. And so question 127 asks, what does the sixth petition mean? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil means we are so weak that we cannot stand on our own for a moment, and our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that we may not be defeated in this spiritual fight, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. How do you conclude this prayer? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This means we have made all these petitions of you, because as our all-powerful king, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good, and because your holy name and not we ourselves should receive all the praise forever. And then what does that little word amen express? Amen means this shall truly and surely be, for it is much more certain that God has heard my prayer, and I feel in my heart that I desire such things from him thus far our confession. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the prayer that you have taught us, and indeed we ask that prayer would be our sincere desire, that native breath, that vital air. And so we ask that as we've studied this prayer and now as we conclude this full work through your catechism, Father, we're thankful for the gift that you have given us in your faithfulness, that we might be brought before these truths that even on this Pentecost Sunday, we might hear of the power of your Holy Spirit. And so would you make that known in us, that by way of the words of my mouth and the meditations of our spirit, that you would be pleased and that you would be praised. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Congregation beloved of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when we give our attention to the words of Pentecost, that's those which we have read for our call to worship today and for our assurance of forgiveness, what we often think about and what I'm usually struck by, at least in that narrative, is the power shown. After all, the reality of Pentecost is bound up in the truth that Jesus Christ has ascended, taking his place of rule and authority, yes, of power at the right hand of the throne of God. The reality of Pentecost comes about at the promise of Christ in Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so in considering then the events of Pentecost, the power of a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind, divided tongues as a fire, the Spirit giving the utterance and power to speak in many different languages and more for others to hear those languages. All of it is a great display of the power of the Lord. His power to draw near to us according to His promise. His power to save us by way of His Word and Spirit. But then we leave it for another year. We'll wait for Pentecost to think about it again. And so on this Pentecost Sunday, have you taken the time, even in preparing to come here this morning, to consider why that power needed to be displayed and poured out? Because while we focus on those shows of power at Pentecost, we give very little thought or consideration to the sin and weakness that necessitated it. You're like, well, but, but Christ has already died and he's risen. He's already ascended. Why do we need to talk about that yet? Well, we need help because we are weak, but he is strong. We need help because of ongoing weakness. Yes, our sin has been atoned for, our guilt has been removed, but we have not yet been made perfect. We still struggle with sin and temptation. We still struggle to hold on to that assurance that is ours. We need help to fulfill the calling that we have been given as witnesses. And so that Spirit must be poured out. We need that Spirit to be poured out on us. And so that as Christ intercedes for us in heaven, by way of that pouring out, we would have in us by that Spirit one always with us and always interceding for us even in this place too. And so it is our very weakness which makes the wonder of Pentecost all the more beautiful. It is the wonder of our need where God's power is shown for what it is most clearly. That this spirit is the power of our lives because he alone is that power. We are powerless in ourselves to do anything good or righteous altogether. But yet, sadly, that knowing of our weakness and his power doesn't always lead us to prayer. It doesn't always lead us to seek him out, to ask for help, for him to work in power. The power of Pentecost doesn't always inform our praying now when we haven't received what we ask for or our longings haven't been fulfilled, or our lost loved ones haven't been brought to Him. We want power at Pentecost. But Jesus, in teaching us to pray the Lord's Prayer, brings us before that need. He brings us before His promise. Because we are so quick, on the other hand, then to believe ourselves strong. We can handle everything. We can provide everything. Our power will bring about good and glory. But when everything is messed up like a raging dumpster fire and we finally come to the Lord, what we need is power. We need him to draw near in the same. 
We're still children in need of the help of our Father. We're still sinners in need of grace upon grace upon grace. We're still weak apart from his provision of strength and blessing. But yet what grace affords us to, even on this Pentecost Sunday, is not to consider or not to continue considering looking to Pentecost for those great signs, though the Lord is still at work. But to come before perhaps the most powerful of those blessings that is poured out that we really don't give enough time to thinking about. That grace has been afforded to us to know that Jesus Christ is at the right hand interceding for us. But more that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. That while that Son is in heaven... His Spirit dwells in us, doing that very same work. And more the Father hears it, and understands it, and acts upon it. And in that way, we can be assured of the wonder of that power of Pentecost, even in the words we read in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Words that should give us truth, that should give us confidence that I may come and that I would keep coming to the Lord because I know his faithfulness and I know that he will keep his word to the end, to the end of all of our days and forever, knowing that his desire for us will continue to be accomplished in all things by his power. And so when God's children pray for God to help and hear in the power of the Holy Spirit, they can be assured that he can and will. That is our theme this morning. When God's children pray for God to help and hear in the power of the Holy Spirit, they can be assured that he can and he will. And this is our great comfort then. And so as we close our consideration of the catechism this school year, we give that witness as those praying to a God powerful to help, that's revealed in verse 26 of our text, and praying to a God powerful to hear in verse 27. But in praying to a God powerful to help, that means our witness has to start with our weakness. We have to be able to be honest about that together. Because too often we're sharing a false narrative. Perhaps even as we come here and we walk through those back doors and instantly comes on the perma smile and everything is good and everything is great and I'm just blessed. And You're not fooling anybody. None of us are. We all have weakness. But if we're not willing to give that witness, but instead giving this false claim that we're always living victoriously and righteously day by day, we're crushing those who need to be led to the help of the Lord. Who need to know more powerfully and completely the power of His Holy Spirit. So be okay in giving a witness that you're not okay. That you don't have it all together. That you're not perfect. And it's why in this last Lord's Day, I think there's a reminder of the same. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil means what? We are so weak. Not just a little weak. We are so weak. That we cannot stand on our own for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us. We need help. Certainly from the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, but all the way to its last petition. We need help. And he's provided that help for us in his Son. 
And it's why we give thanks for the completed work of Jesus Christ. It's why we're to rest in grace alone, by faith alone. It's why we cry out to the Father for help as His children found in Jesus Christ. But that's not the end of His power provided for us or granted to us. He grants us hope to endure that we may be patient for His coming. And He does that in the pouring out of His Holy Spirit. And so we see this connection even here in Romans 8 to that prior passage or the verses right before it, laying that hope before us. And now how do we continue to hold on to that? Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That hope grants us an assurance of the future. But that poured out Holy Spirit helps us in each moment. There isn't a moment that you rest in assurance that isn't granted to you by the Holy Spirit. That's the wonder of the power poured on you. That the Spirit is helping you in each and every moment, comforting you, convicting you, granting you that assurance, leading you into truth and away from relying upon yourself to relying more and more on Him. That's His ongoing work. And so the Spirit then has to be understood as one of, if not God's greatest gift to us. Unless we're going to say salvation is 1A and Spirit is 1B. Here is all of His manifest blessing to us. And it's what was promised to us by Jesus in John 14. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Another helper. I will still be your helper. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He continues to help us at the right hand of the throne. It's why we celebrate Ascension Day. But it's why we also make reference to Pentecost. I will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, why? For He dwells with you and will be in you. And so we're like, wow. This is the life promised to me. This is the blessing poured out. And yet, while we know that the Holy Spirit is the helper, that He dwells with us and that we're brought into truth with Him, we're not always as thankful or considering or considerate of perhaps the greatest blessing of that powerful presence in us. And it is this. It is intercession. That if we are going to praise the Holy Spirit for anything in this day, that would be the thing. The Holy Spirit pleads to the Father on our behalf for the help that we continually need. He is actively helping you in your weakness. And that's all the more wonderful when we consider our weakness. And yet even here, Paul is sharing with us, you don't even get the greatest bit of your weakness yet. Because it's you think that I'm not obedient enough or faithful enough or I haven't done all of these things enough. And we have a far more basic problem in need. What does Paul write? For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We think we do. We all have those lists. We cry out to the Lord. This is what I want. This is what I think I need. This is what I think my family needs. That's the end we have. And yet God is saying, 
I have sent you a helper to pray always for the best things, for righteous things, for good things. Because for us, even in the uttering of our prayers, sometimes it is God's grace to us that we don't get what we ask for. Because he has a better way. And so this verse, please hear it, isn't stating that we don't know how to pray or even that we don't bring good things that we pray for. Rather, we don't know the best things to pray for or even the fullness of all the things that we should be praying for. I mean, think about it even this morning as we pray for rain, and it is a good thing to pray for. And so we pray for rain. The crops need rain. We need to have that out. But yet the little boy in his room who has a baseball game on that night and prays that it would not rain because he wants to have his ball game. Both of them are praying a good thing. Both of them are praying the desire of their heart. We don't know the best thing to pray for. But his spirit dwelling in us is always praying for the best thing. We don't know how to look at one circumstance of our lives, even one petition in all of the fullness of how it would manifest itself if that were done. But God does. Every part of his plan to the most minute part of that plan, every one of them all found in the wisdom and power and plan of God. And His Spirit helps us. That we can cry out, Lord, I'm so weak and limited that in my experiences and limited purview, I'm not able to ask for the fullness of Your will to be done or for all of Your power to be displayed more and more glorious by the moment. Lord, I need help simply relating to you, to your word, and to your will. So pray for me. Please help me to pray as I ought and to pray for the things that I ought. I need your power for I am powerless to completely cry out for what needs to be cried out for in my life. That if I gave every second of every waking moment, I would never be able to accomplish that. But you can. And so please, Holy Spirit, cry out for the things that are necessary in my life and in my family and in your church. And he meets us there. He meets us there in our weakness by giving us what we need to fight the battle and to live before his presence as his children and heirs in the assurance that he prays for us. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You see how awesome it is that he doesn't just give us a better or fuller list. At Pentecost, the Lord gave himself. He gives us himself. He poured it out in various times and upon various people in different ways, but but now here is an abiding spirit for that end. That the third person of the Trinity himself intercedes for you personally and for us corporately. Coming before the Father on our behalf that we would be kept for, cared for, and delivered by God and comforted by God. He is always groaning for you. 
groaning in the deepest language of his care and for the glory of the Father found in unintelligible words, in the Spirit's deep desire of a language known only to the Father and to the Son. That is the greatest pouring out of the power of the Spirit upon you this day. That is his promise to you. And so as we pray for help, we can be assured by the Holy Spirit that he is interceding for us in that power. So Lord, uphold us and make us strong by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we may not be defeated in this spiritual fight but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. That is your assurance. That is the power of the Spirit. A God powerful to fulfill that prayer, continuing to pray for that, even as we experience in real time sorrow and suffering and struggle. But know this, in your weakness, he is showing himself strong. In your weakness, he will be glorified. So thank him for it. Thank him on Pentecost for that gift of the Spirit. Thank Him for His powerful leading. Thank Him for His powerful interceding. And then rest in the truth that that Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is your powerful help in every way and in everything because He intercedes for you and is your strength forever. And give that witness. I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit and His intercession for me and His power worked in me. Give witness of your great blessing and assurance in like manner to the words of Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. That is a trust in the power of the Father for you pray to a God powerful to hear and that in the second place because that father knows you he knows you certainly of himself but in that understanding of the trinity here's a spirit dwelling in you illuminating every bit of who and what you are and yet if you've been found in jesus christ by the father's electing love and in the powerful working of that gospel message they're heard on that pentecost sunday and on this day as well you've been saved for a purpose to know the love of God, and to make that love known. You are his witnesses. That is his call to you in the Great Commission, as one empowered by the way of his Holy Spirit and by way of his word to do just that. And so in knowing that great salvation and that great calling, we're led to a greater and greater desire, not only to know him, but to make him known. And that perhaps becomes the, the disconnect when we talk about people who do those things or that outward show being Pentecostal or apostolic. In the Nicene Creed, we say we're apostolic. We are a sent people out in the Spirit because we believe in Him. And so do we. Do we desire to publish and spread abroad the power of His kingdom, of His power, and of His glory? And sometimes that task seems a bit overwhelming. As we consider how to serve to that end, we struggle. How, how do I even pray for that? How do I participate in that? 
But that's the wonder of this dual intercession of Jesus Christ interceding for us in heaven and the Holy Spirit interceding for us here on earth. Because he is at work bringing about his ends and his work will be accomplished. Authority and power. This is what's at work now. He's at work bringing about it all even in knowing your weakness and your desires. For he also knows the willingness of new hearts and minds and the weakness of our flesh, which is still fighting sin and Satan and self. But he calls you anyway. He empowers you anyway. And he says, you will be my witnesses. There's no argument in it. There's no excuse in it. He calls you in the desire to be faithful to him and to your calling, to be faithful to his commission, to be faithful to a life lived in the hope that is now yours, in praying to him and interceding for his kingdom and power and glory to be known. And so what Pentecost is a call for you to do is not only to participate in that life by the power of the Holy Spirit, but to pray for it. For prayer to truly be a sincere desire more than just in a song in the blue psalter. That it would be legitimate. That it would be the thing. He wants you to pray. He commands you to pray. And in that we come to know more of God's power and to see it. So remember who you're praying to. That too is the work of a poured out Holy Spirit. Verse 27, and he who searches hearts. The Father sees and knows. He knows. He knows every part of your heart. He knows everything you think about. He knows your weakness altogether. Not one thing is hidden from him. You might have done that job with everyone else. You cannot do that from him. It says in Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search heart and test the mind to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And apart from the spirit, a verse like that could be paralyzing to us. Apart from trusting in a powerful God able to intercede and hear and meet us in our weakness. It says in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. But instead of having those verses lead you away from him, I am fearful and scared of what he's going to find out. He has drawn near to you in Christ and all the more near in the Holy Spirit that you would run to him. That you would draw close to him knowing that he has drawn near even to you. He has come near to you and more in doing all things for you and for your salvation in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That means you have the freedom in the power of the Holy Spirit. No longer to live in fear and judgment, but rather to run to Him and serve Him in a freedom now yours in Christ, guaranteed by that same Spirit. It says back in Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That is what the Father delights in. A good Father ready to draw near unto His children and to hear them. 
And through the work of His Son and Holy Spirit, that is where we are led. To the praise of His power, of His glorious grace. We pray that God would be glorified, that we would be most satisfied in Him, in thanksgiving for His Son and Word and Spirit. And so is that what we cry? Like in 1 Chronicles 29, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are as exalted as head above all. Is that what we're crying to the God who knows us all together? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever means we have made all these petitions of you because as our all-powerful king, he acts like what? Like a father. You are both willing and able to give us all that is good, and because of your holy name and not we ourselves, should receive all the praise forever. Father, you know our hearts and our weakness and have already provided what is best in the guarantee that we will enjoy that, more that we will enjoy you forever and ever, not on the basis of what we pray only, but more in how your Son and Spirit intercede for us and what you hear and act upon in the basis of the same. For the Father knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, for all the holy ones. Those groanings in every way that are unknown to us, all those intercessions of Christ made in our flesh at the right hand of the Father, are known by Him. He knows their end altogether. He knows what is best altogether. He knows their substance, and more, He accepts them. He accepts the pleading of his son on our behalf and the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for his kingdom and honor and glory. It says in Romans 8, 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father, who indeed is interceding for us. The Father hears us and is more able and willing to hear, knowing that the Spirit has brought him before, has what the Spirit has brought before him on our behalf. Everything we could never hope to pray for or imagine. And he does so in the wonder that our Father is able to do far more exceedingly abundantly than anything we could hope or imagine. That, Christian, is the Holy Spirit's intercession for you. That's the power being used for you each and every moment of each and every day. It's wrapped up always in seeking our good, in crying out in powerful fullness for the Father's kingdom and power and glory. And more, every one of the Spirit's intercessions for us in that power. And here the greatest blessing, perhaps, of all of these verses is in the last phrase, is according to the will of God. Everything. I would love to say that every one of my prayers in all of its fullness is completely and totally according to the will of God. We don't always get it right, but he does. And because of that, it means that the Father is able and willing to hear every one of the Spirit's groanings for us, because everyone is according to his will for us and all his people. Because he is groaning for us, we have the guarantee that the Father is always hearing us, because the Spirit dwells in us and is perfectly praying for us. In fact, the Spirit is our powerful assurance now and forever. It says in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. 
which means, Holy Spirit, please pray for me because I know that the Father will hear me because of you. We'll hear your words and what you speak through your power. And that too is a part of the wonderful power poured out by a powerful spirit, by a powerful Father and Savior at Pentecost. That in this way, not just in some Jiminy Cricket kind of conscience sort of way, no, in the best way. Here is that one who prays for us, our truest helper, our most faithful intercessor, which means that what he prays for us on our behalf in faithfulness and truth is always something that will be done and always something that we can say amen to. This shall surely be. What is asked in that will will surely be. For it is much more certain that God has heard my prayer, the prayers of his Son and the prayers of his Spirit, than I feel in my heart that I desire such things from him. What a grace. What a blessing. People of God, this is the power we give witness of today and always. The Father hears us on the basis of his Son and in the power of his Spirit so that we have the great privilege of resting in the comfort of his work for us as we seek in everything as those on mission together to be wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on and forever to live for him. And we give ourselves to that in the bold assertion of Psalm 115.1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So believer in this day, by the power of that spirit, you're able to rejoice in your weakness. For it has been met by him in strength and in help. In your weak prayer life, you may rest that you have the most faithful intercessors crying out for you continually. But give yourself to pray. In your weak faith, you may rest that the Father hears your prayers for the sake of Christ his Son and the power of his poured out Holy Spirit. Because his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And this is sure to be. To God alone be the glory. Amen. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth and the wonder of what is ours in this Pentecost Sunday. And we have a Holy Spirit interceding for us even now in groanings too deep for words, but you understand all of it. And so, Father, we give you thanks and praise that your Son and your Spirit pray for us and that you hear it and act upon it and are glorified in it always. Thank you for meeting us in our weakness, for drawing us to yourself in the power of the gospel, for sanctifying us in the same, and for working in us the blessings of Christ through the working and intercession of your Holy Spirit. And so may we go out then to the task that you have called us to on mission together as your witnesses, assured of your presence, assured of your power, and assured that your will will be done and that your glory will be known. Lord, hear our prayer. Bless our giving in this day. Continue to provide for your church. And may you be praised in it, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.